So, let's have a conversation. Uh, I think we'll find we have very little in common. Can't talk. Eating. <gasps> hey, my favorite. Raspberry swirl with a double glaze. Double glaze. No. <sighs> oh. Okay, so we have one thing in common. But you know what I hate? Drinking beer and watching TV. Not me. That's my idea of heaven. Me too. Really? I can see I'm going to love working with you. Well, got to go. I want to sneak in a quick nap before lunch. (laughs) Foul temptress. I'll bet she thinks Ziggy's gotten too preachy too. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, where today we're going to be revisiting an absolute classic episode of The Simpsons from Season 5. It is episode 1F07, The Last Temptation of Homer. I am Dando. I am Guy, and my Christmases have come early. Oh, talking about Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, well, that's also good. Um, but uh, talking about The Last Temptation of Homer, my all-time favourite episode of The Simpsons. Cannot wait to do so. And we're joined by Guy's all-time favourite podcast host, the man who also co-hosts other podcasts like Tofop, Fofop, Two Guys, One Cup, Dad Pot and more. It's Mr. Charlie Clawson. Thanks for joining us, sir. Ah, uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, yes, no, I, I feel, Guy, like I owe you <laughs> several episodes <laughs> over. You've done Fofop so many times. Guy's carved out his own little niche in the Fofop universe. We now have people requesting more Guy and putting up suggestions for Guy. It's like, hang on, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> You're Jerry Lewis to my Dean Martin. <laughs> Don't you come thinking of becoming a bigger star than me. <laughs> Thanks for saying that, Charlie. I appreciate yeah. it. Oh, an appropriate, an appropriate <laughs> reference for this episode. Here's the thing. I ad- I love this episode so much, but it's primarily the, the Homer and Mindy storyline. I'd completely forgotten about the B-plot. And <laughs> the B-plot's just as good. I'm sorry, this, is, this, this episode is basically going to be an episode of the Chris Farley show because it's just like, remember when they did this in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I, I feel like the third wheel here. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm going like to sit back and let you guys just discuss the episode. <laughs> well, this is, uh, it's interesting. I haven't actually, I'm not, I, I would say I was a Simpsons fan like OG up until the sort of late 90s. I don't know what season I checked out. In fact, this is probably the first time I've actually watched a Simpsons episode in over 10 years, I reckon, probably more. And I had not realized or had forgotten just how woven into my DNA The Simpsons is. Like oh, there was yeah. so, virtually every line of this episode I remembered and jokes that I'm like oh my god that's why when I get on an elevator I say let me press the button on the simulator <laughs> like <laughs> I'd forgotten that like the Simpsons, uh, Simpsons had basically programmed me as a teenager and I have not paid this show enough credit for how much of my sense of humor and and and, and everything else that they my pop culture love that they'd shaped in me oh let me tell you eight times out of ten when I go to the supermarket car park I will always say I'm in the lines. You know, like it, go tell your mama. <laughs> All when, the time. Whenever my kids bring something from home from daycare, like a painting, I go, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this, this episode's the gift that just keeps on giving. And like you were saying, I completely forgot about the B-plot as well and just how funny mm. it is. But it's an episode that when I was younger, because when this first came out, I would have been, I don't know, about six or seven when this episode first aired. Watching it now as a father of two and married, 
it just I look at it from a whole new perspective. I have a newfound mm. appreciation for just how funny and great and how good the performances were from Dan and and, um, and Michelle as Mindy yeah. and Homer. God, how great was Michelle Pfeiffer? That we're, and this is, and we're talking the sort of peak era. This would have been like coming off uh, Batman Returns, getting w- towards Fabulous Baker Boys. Is that right, guy? I reckon so. Well, when does this when does this episode air, Dana? This is this, in what ninety three, uh, ninety four. I, I didn't plan this, so I'm just looking here. The original air date was today's date, December 9th, nineteen ninety three. Wow! Oh, yeah. Happy anniversary, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the third, the what twenty ninth anniversary? Yeah, of the episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So um, yeah, this is um right in the middle of uh yeah Pfeiffer's ascendancy. It's just it's pre Dangerous Minds, <laughs> which uh, Charlie right, yeah, and I discussed which is not the start long ago. Of decline. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, it's certainly around the time of um, yeah, Baker Boys, Batman Returns, um, Age of Innocence, maybe the one she did with Scorsese. Uh, I, mean, I think that was like ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. Yeah, but the, you're right in in peak Pfeiffer era. So for it to yeah, grace the Simpsons with her presence is pretty cool. What do you reckon of the idea of the way Mindy is drawn? Like, she's not categorically hot the way she's drawn. Like, she's not Jessica Rabbit, but she is attractive like in the in, in in terms of like Simpsons characters yeah do you think that they should have gone like if if, so, if should Homer's soulmate have been someone more like similar to him like having her be like a sort of conventionally attractive woman does that sort of detract from his soulmate well see the, the, the original animatic of this episode apparently had her being a lot more flirty and David Merck and the showrunner at the time said no 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 she's not meant to be flirty she's not meant to be sort of instigating an affair here mm. they're both two good people thrown into a situation where their libidos are starting to take over and they don't know how to handle it but you're right she is drawn very sexy for the Simpsons universe for sure closer to real life Michelle Pfeiffer yeah yeah but she's always in you know long sleeve shirt and pants I mean and admittedly that's hard to sort of hide the shapeliness shall we say but it's, it's yeah she's not exactly rocking up in shapewear <laughs> well let's give let's give marge let's give marge her dues though marge is she's she's mum hot yeah but that's oh, yeah. the weird thing this i don't know how you guys feel about this but i'm always uncomfortable with a hot marge in an episode of the simpsons <laughs> like i don't like it the couple of episodes where she's in lingerie or she's wearing lipstick i'm like oh i don't know i'm not down with sexy Marge. i mean i love the fact that they have a great sex life and the fact that they're happily married in that regard but it's true. Growing up, she was kind of like my cartoon mum. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to think about it in like lingerie. But we always say that Homer must be an absolute dynamo in the sack because all these attractive women just love him. Yeah. I know. There's a subsection of people out there who were very into um, animated ladies, particularly animated mums. I mean, there, wasn't, there was some review in the New Yorker of like The Incredibles 2 that spent like paragraphs going on about, you know, Mrs. Incredibles got some junk in the trunk. <laughs> Aren't you the New Yorker? <laughs> What did you think about the whole? Because like, obviously they're attracted to each other. Did when I used to watch this as uh, as a kid, I always saw Mindy as like a villain trying to ruin this relationship. When really that's not what's happening. I guess she knows that he's married, but she also says to him, "You decide. It's not you know. You know how I feel. You decide." But does that make Mindy a bad person? Well, it's it's weird. There's that they don't really show. There's no kind of moment where Mindy and Homer, like, there's no meet-cute moment. Like, Homer is instantly attracted to her, but she's kind of almost ignorant or oblivious to Homer's kind of awkwardness at first. But it's the elevator scene where they both seem to... That's the first moment where you get that they're both into each other. But I don't think it's ever shown as either of them being proactive. Like, if anything, they're kind of awkward. 
Yeah, they're trying to tiptoe around the fact that they both lo- oh, not love each other, but they definitely have sort of feelings. Definitely there. drawn to one another. It, it's it's a real uh, sort of fun reveal and a funny joke, actually. You know, when um, you know Homer's really trying to tamp down his libido in the elevator. You know, he's thinking of Barney and the doing the I Dream of Genie thing or whatever. <laughs> and then you cut away and you realise that uh, Mindy's going think unsexy thoughts, think unsexy yeah. thoughts. Like she's having the same vision of Homer in her head. So, um, but it, it's it's funny they. they you're right, Charlie. They never sort of flirt overtly or anything like that. It's really just a sort of a meeting of the minds and the spirits and the appetites, I guess, yeah. more than anything else. But now that you've brought it up with her design, I guess it is kind of far-fetched to believe that someone that looks like Mindy would find Homer physically attractive. But, you know, stranger things have happened. But, you know, what I liked about it is that they're not just physically attracted to each other, but the fact they have so much in common makes them uh, mentally and emotionally attracted to each other. And I think that's what they're more going for here. Oh, they're soulmates. The favourite donuts and uh, what is it? She, her idea of heaven is beer and TV. I was just like, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only time, the other time they've ever had the potential for Homer and Marsh to split up was the episode we reviewed on another podcast, Mr. Davis, the um, Colonel Homer episode. But in that one, it was completely different. And that's actually the only episode ever mm. written by Matt Groening. It's the one, Charlie, do you remember where he... Lurleen uh, Lumpkin. Lurleen Lumpkin, mm. yeah, yeah. But in that one, though, she she's interested in him and he's completely oblivious to the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, with this yeah. one here, it's like Homer's like, oh, wait a minute, I've got these weird feelings I've never experienced since I've been with Marge. How do I, how do I handle this? I mean, there is a great callback. I can't remember what episode it is. It's, um, and I think it's the, uh, the Pin Pals where the bowling team and they bring back all those kind of uh, characters who, um, the, the Homewreckers, the who are all the characters yeah. that previously <laughs> featured in The Simpsons as potentially having affairs. They also have her, I believe she returns... The grand opening of the monorail, I want to say it was. Oh, yeah, when she's all washed up. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she's all pilled out or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love when they cast Homer's crushes or women who have crushes on Homer. That They're kind of these bombshells. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer in this case, Beverly D'Angelo was, uh, oh, yeah. was voicing Lurleen Lumpkin. You can just imagine them in the uh, in the uh, recording booth. It's like, oh, golly, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not hard to uh, not hard to whack this. It is interesting, though, that why they would cast Michelle Pfeiffer... Like, I mean, obviously, she's Michelle Pfeiffer. That's why you cast her. But the it's not like the, the tone of her voice or, you know, it's not like you th- like if you scar- cast Scarlett Johansson, you know, like, oh, well, that makes sense. She's, you know, a woman that you would instantly fall in love with it because the voice is so wonderful and sexy. But Michelle mm-hmm. Pfeiffer doesn't have a distinct voice that makes me necessarily think of, you know, uh, uh, Mindy or any kind of character, really. Like, it was just an interesting choice to cast her from all the women in Hollywood they could have picked from like Kathleen Turner probably yeah. still had a bit of hate at that stage someone else like that she never voiced an animated character before this either yeah before or after I mean she did what has she ever done one of those kind of Pixar uh, things uh, surely she, was surely she in the Prince of Egypt I get the I, for some reason I right. get the feeling she was in like the Prince of Egypt or something I've learned to never question guy on movie knowledge if he says something I just oh, go yeah, no, it must be that's true right. I accept it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I but, think that's a good strategy oh, <laughs> but, but Charlie's right I mean she doesn't exactly have the you know 1-800-call-me-now voice or anything well, like that well not even it's, that but but it's any kind of distinctive voice like she doesn't sound like Tress McNeely sounds like Tress McNeely like you, yeah. but it's like, it's just mm. interesting of all the actors that could have chosen in Hollywood to voice this, you know, the first woman to tempt home or the second one after Lurleen, that they get Michelle Pfeiffer. It's kind of like, I don't know, getting, uh, um, what's her face, um, uh, uh, Cameron Diaz to play yep. Princess Fiona. It's like, <laughs> what does she bring to the table? I mean, you got Mike Myers <laughs> and Eddie Murphy and what's, sorry, what's Cameron Diaz doing there? But I think it's also just that the, the name Michelle Pfeiffer just was shorthand for, you know, bombshell. Hot. 
that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Plus, all the um, all the writers probably wanted to meet Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, I'd say that's probably more what it is. <laughs> it would be awesome to work on a show where you know the Simpsons at the peak of their powers. You want to meet a celebrity, just write them into an episode. You're going to get to hang out with them for a while. How amazing yeah. would it have been to work on a show like that? I mean, I'm sure you've discussed this episode before, the Michael Jackson episode. Not with Guy, though. So, Guy joined this show after season 10. So, I'm revisiting these right. episodes for the first time with Guy, but yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. So, like, the Harry Shearer's told a story many times about, like, how weird that was that they had the singing double for the the Michael Jackson episode. That yeah. Kim Lemon or something his name was? Yeah. They, they, so, they did the read-through and and and- all the cast is like, who's this guy sitting next to Michael Jackson? And then they'll get to the singing parts and he'd start mm. singing. It's like, oh, they've paid him for his speaking voice, but not for his singing voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you can't afford the singing voice. Yeah. Do you know one of the strangest things apparently with celebrity guest stars was they got Liz Taylor in and apparently it took him like hours to get her to say the word daddy correctly because she kept saying it very <laughs> seductively, like you were saying, a very seductive voice. But just, yeah, right. They're like, it's a baby. Just say daddy. She's like, daddy. <laughs> say it like a baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, anyway. But yeah, getting back to Michelle's performance, I would have loved to have been there because apparently to get the drool sound when she was talking about the donuts, <laughs> she put a piece of broccoli and water in her mouth. Like, mm. getting someone like Michelle Fiverr to do that, <laughs> how do you ask her? How do you approach it? Michelle, all right, chuck some broccoli in your mouth. We need you to drool. <laughs> It would have been like, like this, ask, it would have been asking one, Michelle Pfeiffer to drool in the first place. <laughs> really, meanwhile, guys just drooling at the same time. But yeah. he, she wasn't the only guest star in this episode, was she, guy? I honestly, I, I had forgotten that Werner Klemperer uh, actually reprised his uh, Colonel Clink role. I, I thought, you know, it was just what? one of the. Uh, yeah, I thought that was Dan Castanelli no, just that was doing him. a and voice. This, this is his last credited role before he passed away in 2000. Holy yeah. shit, that's yeah. amazing. Because I was thinking it's not a very good impression. Here <laughs> <laughs> it was being the same guy. But but, but here's the thing. I mean, according to our friends at Wikipedia, he'd apparently forgotten how to play Colonel Clink. Right. He hadn't done it in so long. So one of the cast members or maybe the writer or, or director said, this is how you do Colonel Clink, which which is not how you do Colonel Clink, by the way, because that sucked. Um, but uh, yeah, and then he uh, got back into the swing of it, but not good enough for Charlie's taste, apparently. <laughs> it, it, so watching the episode back to, like, you know, having not seen it in I don't know, over 15 years at least, what struck me was just how ahead of the game The Simpsons were in terms of pop culture references. Like, it's so commonplace now in any animation you know from rick and morty to family guy or whatever like they're referencing celebrities and mm. characters and stuff left right and center but in the 90s guy you can attest to this like you'd be like oh, i recognize that i know what that's from that does reference to the birds like you yeah. know like it was really kind of groundbreaking even like the idea of colonel clink which is such a niche reference you know oh, but it's yeah. it works so perfectly and it's like oh wow it seems diluted by today's standards of like postmodernism and self self-referential comedy but in the, in in the day it was like oh my god that's right hogan's heroes but apparently that was kind of like an issue uh with the making of the show because i think some of some of the suits or someone associated with the show was like I don't know if people are going to get these references to, you know, flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> which is a drag. I mean, you see that, it's like, it's all, yeah, you're right, Charlie. It's all these little Easter eggs that are, all, that are just studded throughout the, the piece that are great. I mean, by the way, we're all about cross-promotion here on uh, Four Finger Discount. So, Dan and I recorded our Movie Guys review of Gremlins yesterday. Oh, yeah. And that is, you know, I mean, that's an eight, 1984 movie that is just chock full of little Easter eggs and, you know, fan service before fan service even existed, really. So, um, 
Yeah, but I mean, in terms of um, in terms of TV, definitely, yeah, The Simpsons was just throwing stuff at the um, at the screen, and yeah, hoping the viewers would pick up on it. And, and yeah, and so many of them did, and so many of them do over time as well. As you you know, you revisit episodes as you go older, you get a little more sort of uh, life experience and pop culture know how it's like oh that means that oh this is this yeah well even even that nutty professor kind of gag you know i didn't mm. get initially and i grew up you know as a kid watching jerry lewis movies but not quite understanding until a bit later when i re-watched the nutty professor i was like oh my god that's what the simpsons were doing like there's so <laughs> many jokes to go back to and what's great about the pop culture references they choose is that as a kid a lot of them straight over my head but they're still funny you don't have to understand what yeah, they're yeah. referencing to find mm. them funny so they're very careful with what they chose as well yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just hearing, you know, Homer or, you know, yeah, nice lady. I mean, it's, yeah. What, what's funnier than a funny voice? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And we've discussed it on our Seinfeld podcast how Larry Charles, he loves a funny voice, doesn't he? Like, like, oh, yeah. You can, you can write anything. But if you say it in a funny voice, it works. Yeah. I mean, you've got to come see The Baby is not necessarily a punchline, but you've got to come see The Baby is a punchline. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you can support the show for as little as one single dollar redo per month, where you'll not only be granted eternal happiness, but you also get access to exclusive podcasts, our exclusive Facebook community, prize draws, and much, much more. So become a member of the Four Finger Discount family today by going to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Link is in the description of this podcast. Hey, my favorite. What were your favorite moments from the episode, Mr. Davis? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's your favourite episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were just so many, as, as Charlie said, there are so many bits and pieces here that I'd incorporated into my everyday vernacular or just everyday behaviour. Um, you know, just the bit about work hard and every day you get a shiny penny. <laughs> you know, every day I'm about to start work. It's like, well, time to get another shiny penny. <laughs> or... um. Uh, Joey, I've forgotten Joey Jojo was in this. I know, right? Oh my God, Holy Christmas. Like so many jokes. <laughs> and that's just a throwaway, but, it, you know, name me Joey a Simpsons Jojo. fan who doesn't know Joey, jo- Joey Jojo Jr. Shepard do and then just walk out crying. <laughs> it is so great. I could, it's one, like you said, it's one of those gags that is so memorable, but you can never remember what episode it comes from. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I'd, you know, I think I've made gags about powdered gravy, finding powdered gravy in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, don't eat it. It's, it's very tempting, but don't eat it. So you, you'd be best to ask Charlie some of his favourites because, honestly, I could just go on for the rest of this episode saying, you know what's good? That bit. Oh, I think the one that stands oh, out although, for me. Sorry. <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, but I did, I just, I did remember my, my very, very favourite bit. It's the bellboy. I just love the bellboy. No. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd re-watched not long ago uh, Some Like It Hot the uh, the Hollywood classic with Marilyn Monroe and Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis and there's a, a little side character in that he only has had two scenes but he's yeah this bellboy in this Miami hotel who shows uh, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon in drag into their room and he's just flirting like mad with Tony Curtis saying how yeah. you doing doll I might come back a little later with a bottle of bourbon <laughs> it's like well this guy's a sex pest but um, <laughs> but but clearly they drew inspiration from him I, mean, I don't think it's acknowledged anywhere it's, I didn't read it in Wikipedia or anything like that but uh, yeah ro- watching uh, Some Like It Hot and I'm like pretty sure that's the bellboy from The Simpsons from The Last Temptation of Homer so yeah I just love that guy and I'd love that he makes a callback at the end of the episode 
and gets punched by Homer, which I'd forgotten about yes. as well. I was like, oh, shit, that's <laughs> didn't get punched what's, in the face. What's funny is my, my dad referred to my mum as Hubba Hubba after watching this episode for like forever. Like, still to this day, Hubba Hubba. <laughs> what about you, Charlie? So, what do you enjoy uh, the most? Apologies, Charlie, for jumping in. That's all right. No, 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 absolutely. There's, there's two jokes that the one that I remember my friends and I repeating the most, and it's the perfect execution of the rule of threes when it comes to comedy is uh, I'm tired of these jokes about my giant hand. Oh, like, yes. it is just such a perfect, ridiculous build-up, and the button is amazing. And it even gets, a, like, a little follow-up joke when Homer, like, smudges like the the, uh, the, you know, the speech on his hand afterwards. But me and my friends used to always walk around and just complain that we are tired about these jokes about our giant hand. <laughs> it just always makes you laugh. But then the other one that me and my sister would always say to each other because my sister would wear glasses as I'd look at her glasses and go like, oh, I'm a nerd. <laughs> so, am I. so am I. I just love that joke. Milhouse has gone his entire life and not realized he's a nerd until he looks into Bart's Coke bottle glasses. It just, for some reason, that just makes me laugh. Just like the shock that he realized he's a nerd. So am I. Can, I. can I just jump back in for a second? I'm sorry because yeah, this is going to be an occupational hazard with this episode, but that whole thing with the uh, that rule of threes as you're saying charlie i mean yeah first of all first of all i i anytime the weather gets over maybe 25 degrees yes i'm sweating like roger ebert uh <laughs> but then i just love the bit in the middle with uh with lenny going max what i did i did because of alcohol and anger <laughs> <laughs> what did he do like I, I thought of one more uh, cutaway like just a, a random joke that i have used so many times and it's when mr burns um sacks one of his employees and he gets sucked to a tube to the middle east i'm yes, assuming like yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. told to dance dance yeah. dance <laughs> like so often me and my friends will surround someone and just start going dance 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 like it's such a throwaway gag that means yeah. nothing but it is so brilliant i think it, it's so absurd and it's so out of the field that's what makes it so memorable and this episode's full of those. Yeah. I think The Simpsons is one of those shows where you can apply so many moments to your real life. Like, I don't think there's another show like it where so many moments from the show can just be applied to just day-to-day -day things in your life. Yeah. There's, there's guys I went to high school with who built their entire personalities around The Simpsons in that- yeah. All you would hear from them would be Simpsons quotes. Yeah. Like I probably was one of those guys. But I can think of one guy in particular that we got. We were just like, does this dude communicate? And it, it's like he was the boy who could fly, and the only way he could communicate was in kind of like Simpsons quotes. Well, that's why I started this podcast because I'm like, I need to talk to someone else who likes the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> can I just be a nerd for a second? I'm just gonna. Yeah. Throw in Charlie, did you ever see that movie Diner? Do you know that one with Mickey Rourke? Yeah, yeah, and Barry Levinson, yeah, yeah. 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 And that's got the side character in that he, he only speaks in lines from Sweet Smell of Success. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> You'd never hear him say anything else but lines from Sweet Smell of Success. When you're doing a podcast with Guy, Charlie, when Guy's yes. like, oh, I've got a bit of a story here, do you sort of take that as like a, the same way a radio DJ goes, right, piss break, I'm putting November rain on? Because Guy, <laughs> when he likes to go and talk about movies, it's just like, I can sit back for five minutes now. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, 100%. Like, that's the best uh, That's the best thing is I, yeah. a topic comes up and I'm like, well, I can do the minimum amount of research because I know Guy's <laughs> coming in with the heavy lifting. I just go, like, our, our review yesterday, I'm like, so Guy, gremlins, elaborate. <laughs> I, was, I, I was about to watch the kids for two hours. <laughs> But it's what, like, like honestly, I don't know. I've met anyone else in my life that knows more about movies than what Guy does. It's incredible. 
Yeah, no, I always direct people to the the Guy Davis um, Film Festival, which is like normally on a Friday or Saturday night when he starts tweeting <laughs> oh, about yes. the film he's watching, usually paired with another film. It's like you should make sure you tune in for that. It's the best. The, the funny thing is sometimes <laughs> sometimes I'll message Guy about like, podcast or whatever and I don't get a reply and I'll go on Twitter and he's tweeted like four things since I've messaged him and I'm like, oh, fuck it. You got your you phone know, out. You, you're, <laughs> online. <laughs> you're online. You're <laughs> online. Uh, anyway, but you guys basically covered my favorites, but I also loved just because I was the smart kid in school. I, in primary school, in high school, I was dumbest dog shit. But like in primary school, I was like the nerdy one. But I just loved Martin. Pick me, teacher. I'm ever so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Damn like, your feeble brain. Yeah, I'm like, that was me. <laughs> nice shoes, two feet. How great is that? Because that line isn't necessarily funny, but it's the, a great sort of showcase of what humor's like in the schoolyard. That is like classic yeah, yeah. comedy. <laughs> yeah. I just love that Nelson's so stoked with it as well. He's very satisfied. With, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Even better before that, I mean, I don't know if this is really obvious or just a really nice piece of direction. I mean, you could have had anyone saying nice glasses, four eyes, but it's the twins who are basically four eyes. Saying <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good news, everyone. Yes, everyone's favourite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. It's Tales of Futurama available exclusively for Four Finger Discount patrons. Starting all the way back at Space Pilot 3000, we're reviewing every episode of Futurama as we sink back a cool, refreshing can of delicious slurm. So be sure to sign up today or else Bender might tell you to... Bite my shiny metal ass. Tales of Futurama, available now at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. This message proudly brought to you by the Hypnotoad. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, it's time now for some trivia. Before then, we're going to read out some names of our beloved patrons, starting with our $50 patron of the month, Mr. Andrew Zerr, as well as our $20 patrons, Pete Anderson, Steamed Ham Champion, Dylan Haggett, Jordan Moleman, Richie, congratulations on the wedding, my good sir, Christopher Darby, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, Declan Phoenix, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, Adric McLeod, and Hank Scorpio. Thank you so much, everybody, for your ongoing support. Also, shout-outs to the newest members of the Four Figure Discount family, Michael Doig, Chris Leonard, Patrick Lauer and Jordan Macy Smith. You guys are legends. And a huge, huge shout out to our man, Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index podcast. Uh, he is our $100 patron of the month. He's continued to support us here at Four Figure Discount. So support him by going to the Simpsons Index podcast and hitting that subscribe button. Guy and myself were on the show a few weeks back, so check out that one as well. But hit subscribe to the Simpsons Index podcast. I'm sure you're going to love it. Remember, if you do enjoy everything we do here at Four Figure Discount, you can become a supporter of the show by heading to patreon.com slash discount for as little as one single dollar we do for exclusive content and internal happiness. As always, we love those people, don't we, Mr. Davis? <laughs> of course we do. Each and every single one of them and the, in the few people out there who have yet to become members of the Four Finger Discount family, come join us. Join us. Join us. Join us. Support the show <laughs> and help us grow. Now, I'm going to ask you guys some questions. Charlie, I'm assuming you haven't put any questions together, so I'm going to be challenging your, your trivia knowledge yeah, here this episode. Challenge my, my recall, yeah. All right, so <laughs> this first one here, and if you don't get it, guy can chime in. But okay. what was Charlie, the uh, the guy who got sucked up the tube, what was his position 
at the power plant that Mindy replaces I have him no with. No idea. No idea. Safety, safety inspector. Uh, guy, what about you? Hang on a sec. I'm just, <laughs> I know we're not meant to look at our notes. Dan is always saying, I won't look at my notes. I'm like, that's what your notes are for. <laughs> You're not cheating. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't think you'll get it. I want to say safety inspector or something supervisor. Safety it's, inspector. It's dangerous emissions supervisor. Oh. Supervisor. There we go. No Close enough. That. You have a point. What about you, guy? Next question. Oh, um, what is the duck's name? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, um, okay. Get it's, back to uh, work. It's, yeah, get back to work. It's not. It's not a common name, but it is kind of common. It's. Did you win with an S? Yes, it does. And you, you can have a, a, good, a good beef s- Stuart. Stuart, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name because they didn't go for Smith or Jones or not. Like Stuart is kind of, it's it, it, it's off-Broadway enough that it feels like it's unique <laughs> yeah, to yeah. character. Like if they'd gone too broad, it wouldn't have been as funny. Exactly. I love that he got a callback as well, though, just when, you know, clearly yeah. morale is down at the uh, down at the plant. People He's are just having knife fights and chair fights and Stuart just pecking some dude on the head. <laughs> Uh, what would, is the number, Guy, of the marital stress hotline? Do you remember that? Uh, that is KLS1680. Oh, I thought KL5. Oh, it is KL5. Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, my handwriting My handwriting is actually shit. Uh, <laughs> also, just great ad in the phone book for that. The yes. rolling pin. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. One more question each. Hit me. Um, what does Oliver have to get for uh, Bart when he uh, makes his way into the nerd Ooh. chamber? What's uh, a treat for him or what's a snack for him? Prune juice and oh, something else. Boiled egg? Prune juice and a oh, boiled egg. Is that, yeah, yeah, that's you combined your talents yeah. to come up, <laughs> give him a hard boiled egg and some prune juice. <laughs> <laughs> and here's one final one. So, uh, sorry, yeah. before we get yeah. to that. So, Guy, tell me, what are they, the Refuge of the Damned, what are they referencing? What film or pop culture reference? Because I recognize that it is one. I just don't know what it is. Mm. Yeah, likewise. I'm thinking... It, it, it feels Raiders-ish. It gave me like Temple not. of the Doom vibe vibes. Oh, really? I was thinking it, it was Temple more like- Or maybe like the original Mummy or something. I thought it was more like Omega Man or something like that. Like oh. a 660 sci-fi or- um, would, it, would it be a, a Planet of the Apes thing perhaps? Yeah, Planet of the Apes or but Time not the Machine, original, maybe like Hiding a from the Mordocks, something like, Morlocks, hmm. something like that. Yeah. Anyway. But with the kid being a sort of like a little Middle, middle Eastern kid with a fez. Yeah, that's one thing yeah. Temple of Doom, I think. The village of the dead. Yeah. I wonder how many references yeah, right. are in the show that only the writers and creators really know about because they've just gone over people's heads. It's like it's so yeah. sort of niche that even like someone like Guy can't even figure it out. <laughs> uh, but my final question is, this one, if you're Hogan Heroes fans, you should know this. Who had the radio in the coffee pot? Oh, it's, um, no, it's not Clint. No, because he's Colonel Clint, but it's, it sounds like Clint. It's it, like Klimt it's, or something. It's Kinch. 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 Oh, yes. nice one. All righty. Well, there we go. I wouldn't have got really <laughs> any of that. <laughs> I just love that Homer sabotages himself. He's, yeah. he's called on his guardian angel for advice, yeah. and all he can do is like, do you Annoy remember him. Kinch? I had to think of the, he did, and then he's just gone. <laughs> if you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Are you tired of listening to people talk about something and would just rather hear two losers talk about nothing? Well, look no further than Talking Seinfeld, our podcast discussing every episode of the number one show of the 90s. 
Talking Seinfeld is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. The original air date of The Last Temptation of Homer was December 9th, 1993, written by Frank Crazy. Mueller, directed by Carlos Beza, and uh, the chalkboard gag, all work and no play makes Bart a dull boy, a reference to what, Guy? The Shining. Oh, come on, that's a fucking, like, that's a gimme. Give that's him a, a challenge, at least. <laughs> I, I just like to throw him some easy ones from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> my God. You, you'll, catch me, you'll catch me on a simple one, and just my credibility is going to be shot. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, go get a day job, Davis. Takes me five minutes to recover. <laughs> uh, the couch gag is the Simpsons sit on the couch and find themselves on the set of the late show with David Letterman. How I miss Letterman. Oh, we always discuss on our podcast, Charlie, that... that the late show, like the late night talk show, it's just, it's gone. It's done. It's all just bits now for YouTube. I just, I miss being able to turn the TV at like 11 at night and just get like mm-hmm. Letterman and Leno and like Conan. What are they? I mean, I don't I have not had free to air for a long time. Do they even have, do they, do they even have those late night shows? Like who? Oh, well, is we it have, we Colbert? have Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon does it now. Jimmy Fallon, James yeah. Corden, but it's all. And are they on Australian free to air? I think they're on comedy now, comedy channel. In the, right. Yeah. But it's right, all just okay. a case of like, you know, karaoke driving, whatever that's called and. Things like yeah. that. Yeah. It's not two two Jimmys, a James, and a Colbert. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the the shittest poker hand you could ever. Have. <laughs> <laughs> Were you ever a fan of late night TV, like talk shows? I always I loved Dave Letterman. Yeah, like most mm. uh, people of my vintage, that was he was my talk show host, and I loved it in particular when he didn't like a guest. Like you've never seen a dude dismantle someone quite like Dave. I remember actually, it was I felt bad for him. It was Lou Diamond Phillips was on in the late 90s promoting something. Or maybe it was the big hit. Maybe it was the early 2000s. I can't remember. But Lou Diamond Phillips was super charming, loaded with anecdotes, funny, doing impressions. But Dave just fucking was having a bad night and just gave him nothing and just dismantled him, just undercut him, just like with sardonic comment after sardonic comment. And poor old Lou Diamond was just battling for his life. It was gripping to watch because it was like oh my god like just mercy he's, he's already dead like leave him alone but um yeah i i just lo- i love dave i love the way that he um he built the the kind of daveverse like all the kind of supporting characters mm. on the late show like the, i love the way he sort of expand that i remember there was another one he did an interview with oh we talked about this i think on our bruce willis episode guy where because uh, him and, and Bruce were good buddies. They did a yeah. live cross the set of Armageddon. And it was just Bruce and Billy Bob Thornton sitting on these like director's chairs in the middle of the desert in their like, you know, NASA outfits. And it's it's the whole setup is it's Bruce is gonna break the like the sound barrier or something. And so he just becomes the fastest <laughs> man alive. And all he does is get up out of his chair and just run from one side of the screen to the other. <laughs> and it's such a simple bit. But it's fucking hilarious, and it's all based off the charm and charisma of Dave Letterman and Bruce Willis. Like Billy Bob doesn't even say anything; he's the, the whole bit. He's just sitting there, kind of looking bored in his suit, just checking his nails and stuff. While Bruce <laughs> and Dave have this kind of like charm off. It's a, it's incredible. I'm I'm so glad that Letterman was able to sort of tease that out of Willis, you know, in that in that latest. I mean, not even at that later stage, but I mean, sometime in the mid '90s. David Addison was just history, and Bruce yeah. just became very sort of stoic Bruce. Uh, yeah, but when he'd do Letterman, yeah, you'd, you'd get hints of like, this guy's actually like really witty and really charming, but, uh, you know, you didn't get it as much, which was a damn shame. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Letterman, hero. <laughs> Love the guy. I'm starting to feel like Billy Bob here. I'm just going to sit back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just check your nails. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, so, yeah, the episode kicks off with, um, yeah, with Bart Milhouse painting fake car parks. 
The beauty of it is each parking space is a mere one foot narrower, indistinguishable to the naked eye. But therein lies the game. I fear to watch, yet I cannot turn away. Blasted woman, you parked too close. Move your car. I'm in the lines. You got a problem? Go tell your mama. Oh, don't worry. She'll hear about this. I can't get out. I'm trapped. I can't breathe. <laughs> it was nice you getting a little bit of an insight into Mrs. K and Skinner before they became a couple. Uh, two seasons yeah. later, or three seasons later, in Grade School Confidential. <laughs> well, that's another great joke. Yes. Go <laughs> tell your mama. Yeah. Oh, she'll hear about this. Oh, she'll hear about this. <laughs> oh, but honestly, it's just... I, I'd forgotten that it kicks off with this great line from me. It's like, I fear to watch. You know, can I turn away? Can I turn away? Oh my God, it's another one. God, it's just chock of luck this episode. And, and even with the, all the chaos that happens with the, with the uh, you know, uh, reduced lines and everybody you know, banging their doors up one another, you hear all these voices and I think it's Miss Hoover saying, I'm trapped. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trapped. Uh, Mrs. K says, though, they live in a democracy, but her classroom isn't a democracy. And she says, Bart will be the first <laughs> student called upon for every question. What happens to Bart here actually happened to my wife? She got in trouble and sent home from school for lying, saying that she couldn't see the, the board because she was saying, I can't see the board. And the teacher's like, I'm oh, just being silly. She got sent to the principal's office, blah, blah, blah. My wife is actually legally blind. And they didn't know that until she got sent home from school. Did she become a nerd? <laughs> no, 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 she did not become a nerd. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> She married this, may, uh, this may explain because uh, Dando's lovely wife, Nicola, is, uh, is in fact English. This is why Bart does the British accent. Say, it's not me noggin, it's me people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah, it doesn't really make any much sense at all, no. But um, now at the power plant, I, I like the balance here. So you see Bart at school in his domain, pulling pranks, cut to the power plant, Homer's domain, he's pulling pranks as well, with the, <laughs> squeezing the guy in the ass and he drops the plutonium or whatever it is. Yeah. I love how quickly they're just like, he's done for. Don't worry. We'll be safe. Safety glass will protect us. <laughs> and then the uh, the uh, they said, well, run, run and hide at Lenny's house. The emergency exit's painted on. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. The emergency exit's painted on. I've, I've worked so in a good. factory before. And whilst we don't go to the levels of painting on the emergency exits, safety breaches are happening left, right, and center. I don't work in a factory anymore. But have you guys ever like, worked in this kind of environment, like a, a power plant or like a factory, that kind of environment? <laughs> Look at us. Do we look like we've ever done an honest day's work in our lives? These look at these soft hands. hands. Like, my God. Oh, man. We need to discuss what you, your career, by the way, Charlie, once you wrap up talking about this episode, because people listening might be going, this guy sounds fantastic, but who is he? Well, who am I? Uh, that's the Renaissance that's man, question. Charlie Clawson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rena- Renaissance man, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, people might know me from the television. I've done a, a fair bit of acting over my time. And if there's a if there's a long running Australian drama, chances are I've been on it. Um, uh, I also have a, a podcast network, Tofop, uh, which uh, Tofop.com, which is Tofop, Fofop, two guys, one cup, and uh, the on hiatus philosophy, which I do with my friend Will Anderson. Um, yeah, but I uh, what what do I do? What am I doing? It's a good question. I've just returned from two weeks in Southeast Asia hosting Getaway, um, which was uh, pretty amazing. Like I've never done any like TV presenting before, but this job sort of came to me and um, never turned down a free trip. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'll say. It was great. It was, a, it was actually an awesome job. And um, I got to do and see things that, you know, probably a lot of people don't get to do, like uh, eating tarantulas and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of Indiana Jones <laughs> or uh, Temple I actually of Doom more. Te- I watched Temple of Doom recently and I was like, how the fuck did my mum let me watch this? I was like, brains. <laughs> I 
was like, I'm like, my mum watched because I remember this. So to go back to like 1993, I reckon it was, and they re-released the movies on VHS, and you could get them as part of like a Big Mac meal or a Happy Meal or something at McDonald's, right. and that's how I was introduced to Indiana Jones, getting them as part of my Macca's meal. And mum let me watch Temple of Doom. It was one of my favourite movies when I would have been like five. What was yeah. my mum thinking? Well, Temple of Doom, when it came out, it was like people were kind of upset because this is Steven oh, Spielberg yeah. and it's a much darker mm. film. But it was the first Indiana Jones I saw. That was the I, that was my introduction Same. to the Indiana Jones series. And I actually, I mean, I love Raiders. That's a flawless film and I, and I quite like mm. Crusade. But for me, there's something kind of, I understand the inferiority of Temple of Doom, but because it was my first. But some of that shit, like you betrayed Sheba, <laughs> you betrayed like <laughs> it, like like all that kind of stuff is so full on. The you know the, even the idea of a guy having his heart, the heart out. scene, like, yeah, and it's beating in front of him, and yeah. But like somebody's like eight years old, it's it's, it's pretty full on. It's not just his heart being ripped down; it's the fact that he gets dropped into like lava or the, something. The flame, the flame and the body's yeah. moving the whole yeah. way down. <laughs> Insult and to I injury. I remember watching the making of as a kid when it was on TV, and that was like a full animatronic robot they built like a life-size wow. animatronic album just to writhe in pain wow as it's lowered into a fiery pit it's like was Spielberg going through divorce to Amy Irving at that time was that was the issue <laughs> he's feeling yeah feeling guilt about like he's, it's a lot like Last Temptation of Homer he's, got, he's battling his feelings for Kate Capshaw on the field on the set of oh, Temple yeah, of Doom of course that's right but the thing of it is I mean the Indiana Jones movies are pulp they're a tribute to you know cliffhangers and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. and Temple of Doom feels the pulpiest of the, of the three I mean uh, I know there are four movies not really um, yeah, and an yeah, upcoming yeah. fifth which might be good uh, but I saw you getting excited over that trailer online I'm like yeah check this out it's like <laughs> I thought you'd be like a, a naysayer because I hated I mean like everyone hated Crystal Skull I, mm. I think like Crusade is such a perfect note to go out on and it, it really leaves is. us with young like you know mid 40s Indiana but that's a perfect Indiana to go out on I'm not down with Old Indiana Jones. So tell me, what did you like about this new child? Sorry to hijack you. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> what this podcast is. It was I, get guys I, 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 We're not doing another faux pop before the new year, so let me get we, this. We watch The Simpsons and then we go, let's make this, let's go off on tangents. So that's what we do here. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, what did I like about it? I mean, I think the fact that they've got a different director. So is it James camera. Mangold? It is James Mangold who right, directed okay. Logan and Ford versus Ferrari and a whole bunch of really just good dad movies essentially yeah. I mean uh, but also just a really solid craftsman and storyteller and it looks like Spielberg can still do Spielberg of course but this like some this looks like someone who really appreciates and admires Spielberg style and the Indiana Jones format or template or whatever but still has a little bit more energy and maybe a little more juice in the tank and I don't know just a slightly different perspective so they're paying tribute but they're also I don't know adding just a little bit of their own thing the set pieces just looked fantastic. I mean, there's a. I thought there was a terrific scene. You see someone running along the top of a train. I'm assuming it's Indiana Jones. So mm. I like the look of that. That looks good. And then you're seeing just you know bits and pieces of the other cast members in there. It's like, hey, that's Mads Mikkelsen. I love that guy. And oh, there's um that guy uh, that guy uh, Boyd Holbrook who was the villain yeah, in Logan. Who is, oh, who is kind of the prototypical Harrison Ford? Like he's got that same kind of like yeah. l- you know laid back kind of swagger that Har- young does, Harrison yeah. had. Much more got, than Anson Elgort or whatever his name was. Oh, young Shia LaBeouf playing. Um, oh yeah, yeah, playing supposedly uh, Indiana Mutt. Jones Junior. In, yeah, Mutt. Good lord, I like Shia LaBeouf, but that was just wrong. That was not not good casting. Uh, and the, but the the bit at the very end where you know it's sort of, I think it's sort of a piss take on the whole 
bit from Raiders with the swordsman and Indy just shoots him and now yeah, yeah, yeah. Indy's just whip, 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 yeah, yeah, back off people and everyone's just pulling <laughs> guns on him. Just the look on Harrison Ford's face when he's going to go, I don't know. I've, um, he seems more engaged than I've seen him in quite some time. That's what I was going to say. Like Harrison Ford, who's been so famously grumpy, even with like The Force Awakens, you know, like st- even grumpy promoting that. It's like, oh, maybe Indiana he feels closer to. Maybe he never really felt ownership over like Han Solo or it was yeah. too much of an ensemble, whereas Indiana is more his kind of, you know, that's his legacy. I think so, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one that I'm looking forward to. I mean- well, you got me excited. I, I thought nothing of it until I saw you get excited. I'm like, well, if Guy likes it, I, I, should, I should like it. How <laughs> do we start talking about any of Oh, Temple of Doom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to me, though, sometimes, because we reviewed the current episode of The Simpsons, like season 16 we're up to now. Sometimes I'll, right. I'll get to it and I'm like, yeah, it was all right. And Guy's like, I really like this. And I'm like, you know what? I really like this one too. I really like it too. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's something we'll inevitably find at the end of an episode talking about one. I mean, either I won't like it or Dando won't like it, but, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll sort of tweeze our favourite bits out or say, oh, you know, this means this or, oh, do you know they did that? And, you know, by the end we're going, not that bad. So what's the what's the accepted wisdom with The Simpsons where it dropped off? Like, what is it? Is that up for debate, or is there a kind of like commonly held view that after season whatever it sort of dipped? Well, most people say season one to nine is the true like gold. They say gold, mm, golden the era. That's what they say, golden era. And there's right. like a golden era within the golden era, isn't there? There's yeah, like yeah. Maybe like season, I think three like to three to six, three to three like seven, three to seven ish, three to six is like the true like there's like early nineties, early to mid nineties, like the golden era. But as we've been going through, we've found that The Simpsons, whilst it's not at the level of what it was in the 90s, even by like season 16, there's still episodes there where you're like, oh shit, it's actually really good. But I just, I, I outgrew The Simpsons for a while and I sort of just didn't mm. watch it. I sort of went, oh, I, I got, I was more gravitated towards shows like South Park and The Family Guy and the ones that sort of were like more targeted to the older audience. Now that I go back and revisiting these ones, I'm like, ah, oh, I should have kept watching The Simpsons because The Simpsons was still... It's that constant on television, mm. I think. You know, like- I think that they did fine, Dando. They, they, they did fine without yeah. you, viewership. Don't worry. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't own anything. It's fine. From what yeah, I, Matt, <laughs> I'm picturing Matt Groening and James Earl Brooks walking around with like their you know pockets turned out. Like, oh, yeah, I'm die. we lost one. We lost we the lost most that important Dan. one. Dando, we lost that watching. Dando money. <laughs> then they turn around and go, money fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Watch this, guys. <laughs> Uh-oh, he's done for. Yeah, don't worry. The safety glass will protect us. Uh, run! We'll hide at my house. Uh, 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 hey, this emergency exit is painted on. There's no way out. There's no way out. We're doomed. Doomed! Well, sir, I won't bore you with the details of our miraculous escape, but we desperately need a real emergency exit. I won't bore you with the details of our miraculous escape. It's so funny. Burns, though, just doesn't take him seriously. Smithers, throw this at him. Have you, what would be the worst boss that you guys have ever had? You. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty terrible. I had a guy. I worked at Priceline when I was out of high school, and I had a, uh, a guy. Well, first of all, they had this, in, this, this rule that if you um, – they're like mandatory trivia nights. Like, you mm. know, when they enforce, like, corporate bonding. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. like, you have to come to this trivia night. I'm like, look, mate, I'm just here to – make my $17 an yeah. hour. I don't, I'm not here to make friends. But they would, like, you had to go. Like, otherwise, you weren't part of the team. And I remember one day turning up to work and I hadn't shaved and he was like, mate, if I have to shave, you have to. And I'm like, it's fucking Priceline. <laughs> like, I'm not working the door. 
<laughs> at fucking Crown Casino. Like I'm stacking shells. No one gives a shit if I have <laughs> like like facial hair. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh man. But oh god. That that's it. The 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 enforced trivia night sounds worse though. It just sounds like oh. beatings will continue continue until morale improves. That's that's awful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you don't want to you don't want to hang out with these people outside of work hours ever. Anyway, no. no, but um, no. but this is where we get the guy Charlie gets sent via the tube to yeah. What you're saying? Where do you reckon it was, Charlie? But somewhere in the Middle East, yeah. like it yeah. felt like generically Middle East, and yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to specify yeah. in case. Is, I get is there a place still called Arabia? I don't think there is, but, but yeah. yeah, he went to Arabia. Let's Foreign say. country, Istan, I think, is where he went. <laughs> <laughs> Else, elsewhere, Istan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they Smithers and Burns discuss. I need a new worker, but someone cheap because it's been a very lean year for them. Then they have their money fight. Then we get mm-hmm. Zutroy. One of Guy's favourite one-time only characters. He reminds me of the um, Put It In H guy. Remember him? Yeah, Put It In H. I yes. <laughs> uh, was where the Department of Labour arrived because he's an illegal alien and they found a missing Brazilian soccer team you know, working in the reactor <laughs> core. That plane crashed on my property. property. And then he says, they say he has to reverse his sexist employment policies, but he's going to stand by his hiring policies and as we get Stuart the Duck. I just love the... Quack, 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 quack. It's so, so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> get called out by the boss, so he has to, you know, get his hustle on. His little hard hat. Yes. <laughs> well, it's a hard hat that gets <laughs> me. It just kills me every time. Like, where do they order the hard hat from? But anyway. And there's also a suggestion, too, that Stuart is kind of like, I mean, he's sentient, but he understands yeah. what is being said to him. <laughs> <laughs> he's part of the team. Uh, we're now at the, yeah. uh, the Hibbert Money Making Organization. And I like the little callback already to the tube. He's back to, I think it was Marge. She was going to suck up the tube if they didn't yeah, have yeah. the insurance. Oh, yeah. Isn't that s- depressing that, like, what, almost 30 years after the fact and America still hasn't sorted out their uh, single-payer health insurance <laughs> issues? Oh, God, yeah. Like, it's a joke then and it's a joke now. Nothing's improved in almost 30 years. Oh, yeah. And if you end up in the, uh, in the clutches of some uh, HMO or whatever, it's like... Yeah, we'd better, you know, check on that scalp as well. Oh, four arches, yeah, no, we got someone here who can handle that. Yeah, just get yeah. screwed every which way. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so this basically where Buckets gets transformed into... Well, it's Jerry Lewis. It's Jerry it? Lewis, I mean, yes. It, it, watching it on Disney+, Plus, they've got uh, in Jerry Lewis' voice. In oh, the, do they? In the okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, my voice is uh, crazy with this spraying already. <laughs> <laughs> Very, well, that's who they based um, Frink's voice on, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yes, Professor yeah, Frank. Yeah, yeah, that's who it was. It's yeah, true. Jerry Lewis. But, or the nutty professor specifically. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Lenny and Carl and Homer are now annoyed that a, a woman's going to be working with them. They can't no long, can no longer pee in the drinking fountain and things like this. And Smithers introduces Mindy. Sorry, just on that joke. That is also a good joke. Not that the peeing is not the funny part of that joke no. to me. I think that for, is when Lenny, uh, when Carl says, "We can't take our pants and pants off when it gets real yeah. hot." Like, just the visual of like it's hot guys, so they're all just walking around in their undies. A lot of uh, you know mint Lenny in this episode. He's just killing it. Yeah. Gentlemen, I'd like you to meet your new co-worker, Mindy Simmons. I think she has a degree in engineering or something. Hi, how's it going? Oh, pleased to meet you. Yeah, ditto. Hey. Ooh. <gasps> Mama, what's the matter? Ain't you never seen a naked chick riding a clam before? Gotta go. <laughs> what the hell was that? I probably shouldn't have eaten that packet of powdered gravy I found in the parking lot. Going back to the the Michelle Pfeiffer voice thing as well. I mean, it's it's got kind of a. Um, I don't know if it's, it's the voice she puts on for many, but it, you can sort of say it about a lot of voice work that Pfeiffer does in, in her performance. It's got kind of a little, a, a bit of a working class or blue collar edge to it. 
Just uh, a little yeah, bit. she's kind of almost married to the mob, Michelle Pfeiffer. She's not 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 quite going that yeah. that that Brooklyn-y, but really yeah. plays it up in Married to the Mob. But uh, yeah, I mean, just even the first time you hear is like, yeah, hey, 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 doing? Yeah, it's like it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not quite Fran Drescher, but it's you know, she's not yeah. putting on the purr or anything like that. I mean, yeah, it, she just seems like I don't know an, an an average woman. I mean, maybe slightly better than average looking. <laughs> And, but also, yeah, the fact that she's played by Michelle Pfeiffer, it's kind of like, well, you, you project a bit. You know who you I would have cast, who I think is a bit more distinctive in her voice would, and from that era, would be Jenna Davis. Oh, she, she, has she done a Simpsons episode? Did she do a Simpsons episode? Sure. No. I'll look that up while you guys But continue. I just think about, just think, just listening to you talk then, I'm like, oh, yeah, but Jenna Davis has that kind of, like, her voice sounds kind of, she's got that. Her voice is much more distinct than Michelle Pfeiffer's. It has that kind of like goofy mm. kind of quality to it. And I think in my, just doing my sort of my fantasy casting, I'm like, oh, well, you know, Homer's a bit of an oddball. He's, he's odd. It would make sense that this girl who was also kind of a bit goofy and odd and, you know, loves junk food and rides a motorbike and blah, blah, blah. Like if they'd cast someone who's a bit more goofy, like a goofy actress, and I think like Jenny Davis could have been good casting in that role. Yeah. And her voice is more distinct. I've just looked up. Gina has never been on The Simpsons. I've just looked that up. Oh, no, I'm just thinking of Michelle Pfeiffer in this era because I've got this theory of Hollywood, which is not really a theory. It's just a fact more than anything else. It's a, there are very distinct types that just keep getting recycled, recycled, recycled. I mean, you know, Matthew McConaughey looks a bit like young Paul Newman who looked a bit like whoever. And, you know, you look at Margot Robbie and essentially you're looking at Michelle Pfeiffer from the 90s. I mean, Yeah, you know, right. So it's like... We need one of these types. Let's pluck them out and turn them into a star. I saw a clip from Babylon, Margot's new film, that Samara mm. Weaving has a, a part That's in, right, and yeah. it's a scene between the two of them. And I was like, holy shit, like they are, look so similar. It's crazy how oh, similar they, they could look, be yeah. sisters. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Margot's got a much sort of stronger jaw, but in terms of like the big eyed kind of like, you know, petite little nose, it's like, oh yeah, there's a, you're right, guy, there's, there's a type. And in this yeah. case, like, Australia's got two of them. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. That's, yeah, and then we got, we got a few Hemsworth on, in, um, you know, in, in storage oh, as well. You know. don't, don't worry. <laughs> We've got plenty of those. Who's your favourite Hemsworth? Uh, it got to be Chris, doesn't it? Like, Chris seems to be having the most fun. I'm honestly partial to Liam. I did. My, the, my first ever acting role was a Red Rooster commercial with Luke Hemsworth. Really? The, the eldest Luke. The eldest Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. What, what were you selling? What was the, the meal of the day? Um, it, it was some kind of, we were playing, he was my loudmouth American cousin. So he came in with like a cowboy hat doing like a really broad, like Southern accent. So it was like a Southern something burger southern fried, at Red yeah. Rooster. But I remember, cause it was in the late nineties and the Matrix had just come out. And so we just spent the whole shoot just nerding out about the Matrix. <laughs> and then he came through at one point, he came through into the scene, but he was like doing the, he was miming where he had twin machine guns. Like he was coming through the security <laughs> check at the end of the Matrix. And I was like, oh, this guy's cool. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad that he broke out as well. I mean, cause you know, you'd be, able, I'm sure the Hemsworth family dynamic is very strong, but I mean, seeing your little brother just become Thor, and then you know your other little brother becomes. Oh, now he's flirting with Jennifer Lawrence on the Hunger Games. You know when's it Luke's turn? <laughs> and when Westworld <laughs> yeah. came out and and Luke was in, and I'm like, that's good. I'm glad you got. Oh, he's good. You, you, and you're kind of killing yeah. it. Robert. That's that's good stuff. And um, you know, he's. I think he's picked up it a fair always, bunch of work off the back of that as well. So it's always it's interesting too. Like I always find with celebrity siblings, like you know Michelle Pfeiffer, Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Mm. Patrick Swayze, Don Swayze, Cameron Diaz and whatever her sister's name is, like they're all good looking people. 
but they lack that 5% of a twist yeah. that makes them a movie star. Like, it's really interesting how you're like, oh, like if Cameron Diaz was 5% different in her alignment of her face, then she wouldn't be who she is. You know, if, if Patrick Swayze looked more like Don Swayze, <laughs> and it's just, they just won the genetic lottery. Their parents got it right, you know? Yeah. And so Luke, it's like, okay, well, that's our first attempt at a creating a Hemsworth. Oh, now it's Chris. Oh, now here's a, here's a Liam. <laughs> we got our first draft like with Luke. Only yeah, first draft. Yeah, here was the specs. Here was the spec script. <laughs> spec script. That's right. You got your foot in the door. Now give us a Chris. I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned the Swayze's because yeah, I mean, it's funny they always. Oh, not, they don't always, but you know, they occasionally cast Patrick as like a hillbilly or something. It's like, oh, you know, he's from down in Tennessee or whatever, and yeah. he's like, yeah, the movie star hillbilly. Then you look at Don Swayze, he's like he's actual Don, hillbilly. Like, <laughs> yeah, one of the saddest episodes of Donahue I ever watched. Um, Donahue was a talk show, midday talk show in the in the nineties. Okay, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you probably don't I was going to pretend I know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but they had all these like um, celebrity siblings, like Don Swayze and Joey Travolta and Frank Stallone, were on the panel, and it was like, hey, you know, we're the siblings of famous people, and you know, the the trials and tribulations, you know, the benefits of being mm. related to someone famous, but also the fact that you're related to someone famous. And Patrick Swayze called into the show. To sort of say, hey, and it was very sweet, you know, just to support his brother. Say, hey, you guys are all doing great. You're all talented in your own right. And you're all going to be killing it very soon. And there was just this kind of unspoken, no, that way. <laughs> no, that way. I mean, they're all Johnny Drama, let's be yeah. honest. Don't, don't forget where you're on the pecking order, Don. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another day, another box of stolen pens. Have a good night, Homer. You too. No goosebumps, no hallucinations. That last time was just a fluke. Hey, Homer, you're hallucinating again. Not a good sign. Mindy, she leaves on the motorcycle. So they're, they're trying to play her up like she's this, you know, she's she's different to Marge. Marge is very straight-laced mm. by the book. Mindy is this attractive woman who likes donuts, you know, wants to drink beer, watch TV, and she rides a motorcycle. She's very exciting, I guess you could say. Yeah. I'm assuming has a high metabolism to keep that ah, figure. Exactly right, considering yeah. her diet. <laughs> uh, but Homer thinks, you know, I've got no feelings here, so the last one must have been a fluke. Meanwhile, he's jogging backwards into the, the trout hatchery. This seems to be one of the moments that sort of stood out for me as a kid, the Homer loves Mindy. Homer loves Mindy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we get the, the, the angels returning. Now we're back at work, and this is where Homer asks um, the guys, well, what, what do you think of Mindy? And they're just not interested at all. They couldn't give a shit, but he's like, c- c- can't stop talking about her. I love this. What's up, Homer? You're talking during coffee break. Usually you just take the box of donuts and go into the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so disgusting. <laughs> the idea of eating food at all in the bathroom just ugh, oh, God. shivers down my spine. But uh, Bart tries to prove that he's the same old person, but just crashes the skateboard and gets beaten up. Look, everybody, I'm the same person I always was. <laughs> He's learning on his own. Get him! Teenage boys are essentially just one step up from primates. Yeah. They are they are testosterone charged monkeys who are constantly seeking seeking out weakness and crushing it to prove to the other monkeys that they are actually <laughs> that they they are not to be messed with. Kill I mean, or I, went be to an all boy, I went to an all boys school and it was like 
it wasn't violent, like physical. There was some physical altercation, but you were constantly on guard for insults or, yeah, like it's just like you constantly had to sort of stand up for yourself. And if you didn't stand up for yourself, then you're fucked. Like you have to mm. show some kind of – you either have to be a complete psychopath and people leave you alone, like JD from Heathers, or you have to be <laughs> like – you have to get in with the with the guys. Who are you in the prison yard? I'm the guy who sucks dick on the first day. <laughs> I'll come someone's bitch absolutely straight away. Protect me. I'm not fucking going up and punching some like white supremacist in the face, hoping to take him down. No way. We all like the idea of not being the bitch, but we all know that we would be the bitch if we went to prison. Like I, I just couldn't do it. I would try and get a job in the library. I would be, I would yeah. be like Tim Robbins in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I'm like, I'm fucking running for my life, swinging broomsticks at people left, right, and centre. <laughs> but I'm trying to get some cushy fucking job away from the, the the yard. That's the thing. If I'm on short time, if I've got like a six month sentence, then I'm trying my best to be invisible. But it's like invariably going to be sucking a dick or two. Uh, <laughs> or two. Long term. <laughs> Maybe at the same time. If I'm if I'm long term. <laughs> That's when I try to become Morgan Freeman in Shawshank and like become the fixer and you know like yeah, yeah I can I can smuggle in a packet of smokes for you all that kind of business. Was it Office Space who pioneered that joke of like on the first day you got to kick someone's ass or become someone's bitch? Like I feel like that was the first <laughs> instance I, I saw of that cliche that prison joke. I remember from Twenty Fifth Hour where you know Edward Norton's going to go to jail and he, he he says to his mates you have to beat the shit out of me so when I go in I just look all fucked up and nobody's going to want to make me their bitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good plan. But, um, this, I think they don't they say it in I think it's in season one of True Detective though I think McConaughey's something like you know there's they're arresting some guy for some heinous crime and he's like. We're well, going to jail, but I can give you the opportunity to kill yourself right now because you're not going to make it in prison, buddy. And this might be a mercy for you. I'm like, Mo, I need your advice. Yeah. See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. Oh, no. Hi, Joey Jojo. And this scene has no business being as iconic as it is, but for some reason, people just cannot get enough of it. I mean, I love it, but it's just so iconic. Um, and this is where Barney reading the napkin with the insightful talk, basically saying, just talk to her, you realise you've got nothing in common. But the advice is coming from some drunk down in the bottom left-hand corner of the napkin. He's got the yeah. X's for eyes because he's just so <laughs> blasted. This is where we get Homer approaching Mindy in the lunchroom. There's a really nice shot here as Homer's walking in and he's just sort of twiddling his fingers going, mm. like he's just, you can tell he's like, he's really, really nervous because this is going to go one of two ways. And he realizes that like, they love the same donuts. She talks like him, drinking beer, blah, blah, blah. And she's going to go sneak in a quick nap before lunch. I've got a story for you, Charlie. I mean, I love mm. this guy, man, Guy Davis, as much as anything, but... One of my favourite things about him when he used to work with me at a place, I won't say the place, but listeners will know anyway. <laughs> he used to go drive halfway across the city to pick up a, a kebab, then come back and then clock on for lunch. It was one of the most ballsiest <laughs> moves I've ever seen anyone do in an office job. <laughs> I, I am no longer working at that place in case anyone is thinking this is an appropriate or effective strategy. It ain't. Smart he to, thinking, He used though. to sit next to me and he'd go, I'm going for lunch. And then like, 40 minutes later, he'd return and then clock on. I'm like, what the fuck's he been doing? And I realised he'd gone to get his Flaggy first. I'm like, what a man. <laughs> I drove across town to the late, great Burko's Cafe that made the best Reuben sandwich in Geelong. <laughs> oh, so good. I just, I, it made and my some day. Days working at, some days working at that particular place was like, I need to eat my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. I love you, man. Anyway. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's just brother. <laughs> but we get the uh, yeah. So he realizes that they've both got a lot in common. I love the foul temptress. I bet she thinks he's got too preachy too. And then we get the uh, the elevator scene. I made it the whole day without seeing her again. I mean, hello. <laughs> I guess we'll be going down together. I mean, getting off together. I mean, that's okay. I'll just push the button for the stimulator. I mean, elevator. Think on sexy thoughts, think on sexy thoughts, think on sexy thoughts. Oh, that's unsexy. Think on sexy thoughts, think on sexy thoughts. <laughs> well, this is my floor. This is one of those classic examples of a Simpsons scene where, as a kid, it's funny because of the way they're acting. But as an adult mm-hmm. watching it, you're like, oh, shit, how are you getting this yeah. into a kid's show? <laughs> yeah. Press the button on the stimulator. We'll go down together. Get off together. Yeah, get off together. They think on sexy thoughts. It's all just iconic. Then Homer arrives home and he, he, he wants to see the, the best and everything. He's like, I'm going to clean slate. I'm not going to think of Mindy. Walks in the door and Marge is just sick. And I've just got here, life of a parent of two small children. Surely <laughs> you would feel this, right, Charlie? I can't remember the last time in this house. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old and my wife. I can't remember the last time we were all healthy at the same time. There's always someone's, yeah, absolutely. Got, someone's got an illness. Although my one gripe is Lisa. Like, she's got nothing to do and they feel like they have to include her and the best joke they could come up with is the burnt fish fingers. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. an afterthought. Yeah. They were like, oh, it's going to be weird if we don't feature Lisa. Because the obvious thing is just to do Marge and Buck because they are yeah. the B storyline. But then they throw Lisa in and it's like, oh, you just ran out of time to come up with it. Like, it needed a better joke or at least to set up, plant something in the fir- in the opening, you know, maybe put her with Milhouse and Bart and then pay it off later. But it just felt really tacked on. Yeah. This is the bad example of the rule of threes. You know, the first two gags are like, first two bits of the gag are fine, but, yeah, it sort of drops a ball in the third. You know, yeah. at least you think, oh, well, I'm coming home to, you know, a loving family and a nice home-cooked meal instead. I've got, you know, shitty fish fingers that are burnt and fro- <laughs> burnt on it the just outside. Seems, it's on just so out of left field. It's like, what? what? Why is Lisa, I've never seen her make cook anything before. It, it, didn't, it seemed contrary to her character as well, that she's a bit smarter than the other characters. Like, yeah. why would she be burnt? Like, it had to be something more specific to her character or a flaw in her character. Don't you think? I guess the joke is that she's weird for doing this, but you're right, she's too smart to burn fish sticks. It just seems odd. Yeah. Yeah, but I did love yeah. Homer's response. Or to of, present them as, you know, like, eh, it all worked out because yeah. you know, they're burnt on yeah. the outside, frozen on the inside. You can't, like, mm. you can't eat them, but I do love the, yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> the reading of yeah good it's just uh, so so funny but yeah uh, what I liked the next bit here was just Homer's like you know let's spend some quality time turns off the TV she shows him the smeared shirt that gets paid off later and then straight away we haven't watched TV in a while but Guy and I have discussed this though there's nothing wrong with just spending an evening watching TV with, with your partner you know what I mean sometimes like your whole relationship not your whole relationship but like you, you love your 90 day fiance guy and like that's just like that's you and Louise's thing. There's nothing wrong with watching TV together. I was about to say, if watching TV is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> is, I don't know anyone who thinks there is anything wrong with watching TV together. Well, is that like considered like not 
Well, I so, thought 95% of relationships what were, we, yeah. what were we watching at the time where they were saying it's it's a horrible thing and we both disagreed at the time we were saying how you, you watch 9 Day Fiance and we, we've got like the rookie or just some dumb law, law and order whatever that we watch at night time Nicola and I yeah I've forgotten what that was but yeah someone kind of like no you've got to keep spice in your relationship you've got to go out salsa dancing or some shit like that it's like Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> just, I, I think we're discussing it's 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 great to be in a relationship where you're comfortable to just sit down and watch TV together and know you don't have to try and be exciting all the time. It's like, no, this this is life. And My wife and I are so comfortable, we'll watch separate iPads in different parts of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I mean, comfortable. The next step is just watching iPads next to each other on the couch. Yeah, we've done that too. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's always a bit of phone stuff going on. You know, it's like this show that you'll put on on the on the main screen it's like eh, it's not really engaging us all that much but it's something to have on and you know maybe something good will come but mostly it's sort of looking at your phone tonight ion springfield takes a look at the secret affairs of kennedy eisenhower bush and clinton did fooling around on their wives make them great we'll find out next when we play hail to the cheat <laughs> the burmese melon fly has over a thousand sex partners and suffers virtually no guilt <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Examine your scalp for ringworm. Sees the Iron Springfield on the presidential affairs, the hail to the cheat, and the, the burning. Oh, hail <laughs> to the cheat. I, for some reason, I got such a kick out of that. I mean, I, I like Kent Brockman pretty much all the time. But uh, one, one thing I, I generally like in the sense is when they have a news broadcast and they've got the little... Um, uh, so I've, I've forgotten the technical term for it, but a little you know, sticker image, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the picture within picture. And um, what this is a horny Lincoln, oh, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. chasing. Us. <laughs> it's got the stovepipe hat on, chasing after someone like a little sex pet. <laughs> <laughs> we, oh also, my God. we also get the uh, the Burmese fly with a thousand sex partners suffers virtually no guilt, and the the just do it and examine your scalp for ringworm. So then he calls the other uh, marital stress hotline. What I love the most about the whole, so it's a take on uh, Christmas Carol and um, Wonderful Life. What I love the most about mm. it, besides the Colonel Clink, is the fact that when he's showing um, the Homer's life, had he married Mindy, and they're both rich. Are you happy, Jeeves? Yes, sir. <laughs> then we're all happy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Marge is Madam President. So the uh, guardian angel has realised that it's not going to plan. Then we get an appearance from Lionel Hutz, and we always love an appearance from Lionel Hutz because yeah, the great <laughs> get out of my office, the late great Phil Hartman. The, getting back to your question earlier, Charlie, but when the Simpsons sort of went off the not off the rails, but lost its quality, a lot of people sort of say it's when Phil Hartman. It, it's just coincidence, obviously. But Phil Hartman was taken away from us. Uh, I believe it was season nine which, while they were making 96. season nine of the show. So mm. Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz, they weren't on the show anymore. And I think people didn't realise just how pivotal those two characters were to the series as a whole. Like Lionel Hutzie was the um, the family's lawyer. But you look back in the golden era and so many favourite moments are either Lionel Hutz being a shitty lawyer or, hi, I'm Troy McClure. Like, mm. And they, they were never able to replace that role in the series. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, they tried to replace Lionel Hutz with Gil. And we love old Gil, like Gil Gunnison, but he was he's just never quite Lionel Hutz. And what it's, it just seems strange how... The last appearance from Lionel Hutz was actually the first appearance where we got old Gil. It's sort of like a, oh, a, little, okay. a little handover. Yeah, 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 passing of the baton. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, it's, it's if Homer had to marry Mindy, it would have all worked out well for him. Meanwhile, Bart's still getting beaten up at school and he gets dragged to the secret refuge of the damned. And um, yeah, so what do you reckon it's from, Guy? What movie was it? Uh, uh, look, it could be any sort of 
again, Middle Eastern style yeah. uh, supernatural adventure, like, you know, like The Mummy or some one of the Indiana Jones movies. I mean, if there's an actual, yeah, I mean, Charlie, you doing some Googling? Charlie, I am. How's the, how's yes. the Googling? Yes, I am. I'm Googling. <laughs> how's the Googling, Charlie? Charlie? How's the Googling going? I'm typing in every <laughs> reference in The Last Temptation of Homer. <laughs> um, um, I, yeah, look, I, I couldn't tell you with any uh, with any certainty, but uh, they, they something just look I so do unique—the th- design of the characters as well—it's it's like they're so odd looking that it feels like they have to be something. Like Charlie was saying earlier, yeah, yeah. Every reference, like it, like Island of Doctor okay. Moreau or something. Yeah, possibly it could be that. Um, yeah, it yeah. has a few. I, I keep thinking like yeah, sixties or seventies genre. Um, mm. Okay, cultural so, reference. Something I really dug about it though, and this is a you know early nineties uh, episode. You know, comic book movies are, you know, they're a thing. Batman's, yeah. you know, happened. Batman Returns has happened and all that. But to have the all the nerds, you know, united say, Excelsior, yeah. and which is, of course, a Stan Lee's yeah. catchphrase. Yeah, I mean, your, your average Simpsons viewer is not, is going to go, hey, what? What are you talking about? But, you know, if you grew up reading Marvel, you're going, hey, that's Stan Lee's catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> it's, of course, these nerds are going to say that. But now everyone knows it. There's nothing on the Simpsons wiki no, that says there's any reference to anything. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I guess it isn't. I think it's just they, they what they they've done, and this happens often on the Simpsons. Is they've just nailed a genre. Like it feels <laughs> yeah. like it should be yes. from something because they've nailed. They're spoofing the genre. A mishmash of things. You know whether it yeah. is like Raiders of the Lost Ark or you know sci-fi. Like we all have, have projected our own interpretation <laughs> onto it because they're. I immediately, just I that immediately good. went Temple of Doom though. That was immediately what I thought. Yeah. The, the other thing we haven't mentioned is the Mandy song. Oh, we're about to get to that. Yeah, so he sings the. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay. no, go we're going to get to yeah, that. Let's, let's discuss. No, it. because yeah. it's, it just popped up in the in the Simpsons wiki, and it's like for the longest time because I didn't really know Mandy before the hmm. Simpsons, and I will still use the Mindy lyrics if I hear <laughs> it or I'm referencing it. I still call the shining the shinning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so. It's so catchy, isn't it? I, lo- I love the bit at the end. So, like, Mindy, you came yeah. and you bought me a turkey. <laughs> yeah. I love that like at the end, though. Away from work. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. <laughs> but Homer's just so happy. Like, it's it's like he's, it's a secret. He doesn't want anyone to know, but it makes this secret makes him so happy. You know, he's just, but he still doesn't know what to do with it. I mean, this is where Lisa overhears. I like the, you're either infatuated with a woman named Mandy. Or a man named Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, when you when you have crushes like that, I mean, uh, you work crush at any stage of your life. <laughs> you know, when it first happens, and you but you, you haven't made a move on it, or you just realise, oh, this person is stirring things up in me, and you know, oh, and you start you know projecting and thinking about possibilities and all that. You know, that's yeah. You're just full of endorphins or dopamine or, or you know <laughs> that natural uh, feel good drug or whatever. Uh, you know, and then eventually you're going to have to say, hey, would you like to go out with me? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, sorry to interrupt. You are actually on the money. So I've just gone to a, a Simpsons Reddit. Ooh. What is the Refuge of the Damned reference in The Last Temptation of Homer? Um, blah, blah, blah. A certain moment, an Indian boy says Refuge of the Damned. It's not a direct quote from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, but the boy in the atmosphere is certainly a reference. That's what I think. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I think... Yeah, so there must be, yeah. I mean, he does look like the little Indian prince in, now that you mm. say it, from Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. Well played, Dan. It's, I mean, well done. Well done, you two. Well done. You picked up on it. We got there. Well, I, I was watched that movie religiously when I was a kid. You know, when I, I was talking about Omega Man, and I was like, way off the money. <laughs> well, we, we, we should discuss that one at a later date, the Omega Man, where the, the Trias of Horror yeah. one, that's a great one. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember, like, in the early 90s, I had, like, four or five videotapes of movies. It was like, it was Temple of Doom, 
Um, what would it be? It would have been Star Wars. E.T. E.T. is my favourite movie of all time. And it was Jurassic Park I had as well. And I want to say... I don't you're know a fucking Spielberg fanboy. Oh, got this. You got the starter kit. You are the, you're the Stranger Things but, kid. Yeah, exactly was. <laughs> was it Dawson from Dawson's Creek who was a massive Spielberg fan? and like, wanted He was, to, yeah. Yeah, you're Dawson. Oh, I'll, take, <laughs> Dawson. I'll be, I'll be Vanderbeek any day of the week. <laughs> 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 oh man! But, but, but when your acting career, right? Were you ever compared to somebody? Uh, I yes, I have a. I think I have a, a very generic look because I'm. I am often compared to so many. Like the list is endless of people. I'm often told I remind people of someone, and it's just. I think I have a. Um, much like the the refuge of the damned line, I think I'm generic, and you can project whatever you want onto me. But Colin Farrell, I used to get a bit when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one I can sort of say, oh, yeah, we've both got Irish heritage. Well, he's more Irish than I am. Um, but No one's more depends. Irish than Colin Farrell. It just depends. There's an Australian actor who I get this more often, and this is probably maybe inside baseball kind of joke, but do you know Guyton Grantley played um, yeah, Carl, uh, Williams underbelly, Carl Williams' underbelly? And so we have a lot of friends in common. And before I met him, all my friends were like, oh, my God, you've got to meet Guyton. You two are like the same person. And so I met him. And I'm like, we look nothing alike. But then we you started look- talking and we have similar personalities. <laughs> like I, I get yeah. it from an energetic point of view. But, uh, yeah, we don't look similar, but we definitely have a, a similar kind of energy. He's the last person I would have compared you to. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. You don't look a thing alike. (laughs) The the amount of people who go, you know, you you should be my friend Guyton. I think you guys are so similar. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's just an energetic thing more than anything. Mannerisms more so than anything. Mm. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I say you're Australian Justin Justin Theroux. I get that as well. Justin Theroux is another one. Anyone who's got dark hair, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been offended by being compared to somebody? Is someone you go, oh, really? You think I look like that guy? Uh, no, no, but I think I do get offended when people like, I, sometimes you just want to look like yourself, <laughs> like not get told that you're mind people. I remember someone once, the biggest reach, because uh, Matthew Perry was another one I used to get when I was younger, like people used to say Matthew Perry, but I think again, that was more of a personality because I, could I be yeah. any less like Matthew <laughs> yeah, Perry? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember some woman saying to me- Also got your um, own teeth. <laughs> I reminded her of Peter Allen's brother. <laughs> Who she knew, apparently. And I'm like, well, how's that fucking useful to me, saying I remind you of someone that only you know? Like, maybe yeah, I'm I, a dead ringer for Peter Allen's brother, but how I am I going to get the know? rules of this game. I think you're, yeah. you're meant to compare me to someone that people know. Yeah. <laughs> Guy, who's your- who? you, When I was young, yeah. when I was, you know, thin James and had Spader. hair- yeah. Oh, that was that was the dream. Yeah, I mean, no, you um, do. I'll, I've I'll, seen you post photos where you look like Spader. You got the feathered blonde hair and everything. I've said the same thing. It's Spader all over. Yeah. In my late, in my mid to late teens, when I had hair and I was skinny, I was Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, um, yeah. In my early twenties, before my hair started to fall out, I had a brief Spader moment. There was. I don't know if I've told this story. It's not a great story, but it, I kind of like it. I was at a nightclub one night and this girl said to me, and I was pretty drunk, she said, you look, like, you look just like James Spader. I said, do you want to get married? <laughs> she, of course, we went home to that night, but we did not get married. Uh, <laughs> then when my hair fell out, I was like, oh, well, maybe I can transition to Bruce Willis. And now I'm Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mindy, you came and you gave without flaking. But I sent you Ben Gay, oh Andy. You kissed me and stopped me from something. And I. Uh oh. Dad, why are you singing? 
Tell a lie. Tell a lie. Because I have a small role in a Broadway musical. It's not much, but it's a start. Bravo. Are you hiding something from me? Like what? Judging from your song, you're infatuated with a woman named Mindy. Or a man named Andy. Lisa, look out behind you. Dad, I'm not going to fall for that. No, Lisa, I swear to you. I'm 100% completely serious. You've got to turn around right now before it's too late. Huh? Sucker! The next scene in, the, in this episode is where we get the home of the, the, the hand, the hand scene, which is just, we've already discussed, it's just fantastic. Oh, can we, before we uh, cut away from though, the yeah. uh, the Mandy Mindy yeah, yeah, song, yeah. just uh, Homer's excuse, like, I got a small role in a Broadway musical. <laughs> Not much, but it's a start. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> you ever been on Broadway, Charlie? Have I been on Broadway? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I've been to Broadway. Yeah, yeah, I've never yeah. been on Broadway. On the street? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say Broadway, I mean the street in Sydney. Yes. <laughs> Mindy, because of our uncontrollable attraction, I think we should avoid each other from now on. Max, what I did, I did because of alcohol and anger. I am tired of these jokes about my giant hand. The first such incident occurred in 1956 when... Hi, Homer. Mindy! Uh, <clears throat> Oh, no, I'm sweating like Roger Ebert. M- Murphy, you s- you are a elf uncontrollably, I think. A wee nam yo ho Look at those two inseparable chums, Smithers. That's exactly the teamwork we'd like to showcase at this year's energy convention. Burns likes their teamwork. And he sends them to the energy convention... Uh, because basically everyone else is just kicking the shit out of each other. So Smithers says they've got two nights together in Capital City. The Windy Apple. Yeah, the Windy Apple. <laughs> that's that's just a great line delivery. But what I like even more, I, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting who does Smithers. Is it? It's it's Harry Shearer. It's uh, Harry Shearer, yeah. yeah. Of course it's Harry Shearer, sorry. Is it Hank? No, it's Harry. But uh, just, come on, I'll give you the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> why that cracks me up so much but I just love how excited he is for it. come on I'll get you the ticket Harry Shearer is just done. he's just the greatest um, oh, but we're now, we're now in Capital City at the Capital City Plaza and this is where we got the uh, the Legionnaire disease free since 1990 exactly yeah and they get showed their rooms I don't know, there's something about the sounds this is the kind of thing that appeals to like young like 10 year old Dan I thought it was just like the peak of comedy just a that's so stupid but I thought it was so funny um, then over here is Mindy she also is impressed with the free shower curtains but also before Homer defends himself saying he's certainly going to be using the bed for sleeping eating and maybe building a little fort <laughs> again a line that's just used so often yeah it's so good and then you know if I went for this wall we'd be sleeping in the same bed so she's kind of at this point Mindy's like implying just just making sure you you like me as well right like she sort of plants some seeds there TV's there bathroom's there and there's your king size bed for stop that I love my wife and family all I'm going to use this bed for is sleeping eating and maybe building a little fort that's it <gasps> free mouthwash free shampoo free shower curtain Free shower curtain. Mindy? Homer? Wow. If it weren't for this wall, we'd be sleeping in the same bed. Yeah. Uh, walls are a necessity in today's society. <laughs> Homer, I got a really wicked idea that could get us into a lot of trouble. Oh, Mindy, we have to fight our temptation. No, Homer. Let's do it. Let's call room service. Oh. 
This is where we get Burns sending the monkeys to their death and uh, continue the research. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love how long they, they let, let the fall go for before you just hear bang. <laughs> hear this. Uh, Mindy and Homer just enjoying all the room service. They're overeating. They plant the seed here of the turkey behind the bed. It's gone missing. And then they accidentally kiss whilst eating a foot-long chili dog. <laughs> lady in the Tramp, nice Lady right? in the Tramp, Shannon. Yes, Lady yeah. in the Tramp. Yep, yep, yep. And then the, uh, the shirt pops open. A, a great callback here. The, Marge is watching the, the floor buffer that sounds like Marge murmuring in the background. I thought it was also great. Bart's now fine after two weeks. And I love how the Flanders just see the positive in everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love that one of them actually... Was it Todd? Who prays for John shoes? Yeah. Raw. I'm sorry, I always mix up the Flanders kids. Now at the <laughs> Anyone pray for giant shoes? I did. At National Energy Convention, the lights go out at the front, which I thought was pretty cool. Then poor Mole Man gets the shit kicked out of him for promoting solar uh, energy. What a great... That's another... I mean, that's another super solid joke as well, oh, yeah. which has never been more relevant than today. I know. Fossil, oh, God, fossil yeah. fuel, use us, and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Thanks for poisoning the planet. Bastard! Get bent! No more Chernobyls! Go to hell! <laughs> you know, I was a little worried about coming to this convention with you. But I think as long as we're not alone together... And now the moment you've been waiting for. This year's king and queen of energy are Homer Simpson and Mindy Simmons. Huh? Homer, Mindy, you've just won a romantic dinner alone at Madame Chow's, the sexiest Chinese restaurant in Capital City. Is there any way to get out of this? No. I love just how stupid that conceit is, though. Yeah. The, the, how stupid the conceit of them crowning prom queen. king and queen <laughs> in the <queen laughs> energy <laughs> conference as if that's happened anywhere ever before. It's like, we have to get them together. We'll make him prom queen, king and queen. Yes. <laughs> but we've, we've, we've skipped over my favourite Pfeiffer moment from, uh, from last episode. <laughs> I'm like, get banned. Get banned. <laughs> <laughs> She seems like such a, I mean, obviously she's had some movies where she loses her mind, but she seems like a pleasant person. So getting her to say like say things like, yeah, Ben, it's like, I don't know, just, mm-hmm. I love to, have, I wish that, I always say this, I wish they had filmed all these celebrities doing their roles in like on The Simpsons mm. back in the early 90s. It'd be so fantastic to go back and watch now, I reckon. Yeah, it's just a shame they didn't record it. But, um, but yeah, so they go to the, the romantic dinner at Madame Cow's and Homer tries to get out, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> the, the sexiest Chinese restaurant in Capital City. Yes. <laughs> Mindy's happy that they made them cheeseburgers, which I thought was another great moment. Yep. <laughs> and then, oh, we've got the fucking fortune cookies. So you will find happiness with a uh, new life. Even the Chinese are against me. Hey, we're out of these. We're out of these. You'll find happiness with a new love fortune. Hey, open the stick with your wife. <laughs> yeah. But done with the most uh, would not fly today doing no, that accent no, no. <laughs> especially being a white actor doing that accent because I was like holy shit that's borderline yeah. like Mickey Rooney with the, the buck teeth and the, uh, the glasses on there it's almost blackface uh, Homer then um, offers Mindy to, to come in she does so quickly she's clearly keen and she um, he starts crying this was a really nice night Homer yeah yeah <laughs> what's wrong Oh, yeah, like you don't know. We're going to have sex. Oh, well, we don't have to. Yes, we do. The cookie told me so. Well, desserts aren't always right. But they're so sweet. Homer, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. Well, maybe I want to. 
But then I think about Marge and the kids. Well, not the boy. He drives me nuts. Sometimes I just like to... Homer, you know how I feel. So it's up to you. Look in your heart. I think you'll see what you want. And this, this is just great how they just bring such, I don't know, such emotion to this moment here. He's like, you know, well, we don't have to. Yes, we do. The cookie told me so. Believes the food. The saddest reason we're going to have sex. <laughs> Desserts aren't always right, but they're so sweet and tasty. It's basically where Mindy just says to him, look, you know how I feel. Look into your heart. You, you'll know what to do. And we get the great transition to, to Marge here. And um, it's, just, it's, re- it's a really great reveal. And then they find the turkey. And the, as we said, oh, Margie, you came and you found me a turkey <laughs> on my vacation away from worky. And the bus, the, the, the bellboy gets punched out at the end. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a great way to wrap up this episode. Like, it was the perfect way to end it. Like, end it right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What had happened to Mindy, though? Did she like, leave the power plant? I think we see that? her. Okay- oh, she's part of the homewreckers, I think, isn't she? Yes. I believe I she's know. part of the homewreckers. Yeah. Yeah. With the, yeah. With the French teacher that Marge. Yeah, um, Jacques, and, uh, the bowling teacher, the, the bowling instructor. And Lurleen. <laughs> Lurleen. And who was the other one? Who was, there was four of them. So it was Lurleen, Mindy, Jacques. There must have been another one. Oh, shit. Mm. Maybe that's something you can Google later. <laughs> we shouldn't know this. <laughs> We've done enough Googling yes, today. Uh, that, <laughs> you that, do your own Googling that, for a chat. That is the last temptation of Homer. Clearly, Guy Davis's favorite episode of all time and for good reason. But before we let you go, Charlie, I know we're running a bit later here. Let's just discuss. I want to ask you. So, you know, all your successful podcasts that you do, like you're on mm. Peak of the Mountain almost in here in Australia. <laughs> yeah. like, like you're way up there. Apex Mountain, a podcaster. Yeah, like you're, you're just, you're just, you're killing it. Like how did yeah. the transition from screen to podcast begin for you? What, what where was uh, it? There was no transition. We just started doing it. We were both big Kevin Smith fans and we yep. love Smodcast. Of course, and yep. Will and I, we, I was actually shooting something for Will, shooting a little documentary. He was doing some stand-up. And so we were driving like across, like up the east coast of Australia and the pass the time we listen to podcasts and we're like it's just two friends talking like we can do this and so we just started doing it and then um we always sort of thought like we'll we'll stop it once it's not fun or you know once people obviously don't want to listen to it but then it sort of got to a point where people want to listen to it and and we can sort of Monetize. You know, get paid to do it and stuff yeah, yeah. so Having said that, though, like, it's not like we've been making such huge amounts of money that's become, like, you know, this thing we have to do. I think it's, I think it's generally the, the motivation is is the joy of talking. That's, that's like, I think, you know, honestly, like, the we enjoy doing it because we probably wouldn't catch up if we didn't have the podcast. Like, it sort yeah. of gives us an excuse to sort of bullshit, um, you know. And I think a, a lot of my friends, it's the same, you know. Like, the reason I get Guy on Fop is, like, I like talking to Guy. I like talking about movies with Guy. Mm. And it's like, well, you know, why waste this conversation on no one when we can potentially, like, <laughs> build an audience or get people listening to it? So I don't think it's been a concerted effort to, oh, well, I'm going to set this other career. It's like it's something that I did alongside all the other stuff. And um, it just was uh, – it's just something that's become – more enjoyable, you know, as I've gotten older and, and you know, we expand into different sort of shows and areas and stuff like that. I think it's very important too that you guys started pretty early in the podcast game. There weren't, I mean, everyone's got a podcast now. A podcast, everyone just, everyone's got a microphone and started their own podcast. I think it's harder to start a new podcast now from scratch and make a successful audience unless you're already somebody. But you guys were able to build up that, A, that audience, but B, that library over the years up until now. Where, like, for example, you've just, you've gone, you've moved, I know you, you moved uh, Two Guys, One Cup to um 
to uh, Listener earlier this year. Was it earlier this year or was it last year? Was it earlier this year? Uh, we moved Two Guys, One Cup over to Listener this year. Much, yeah. yeah, yeah. We've, we've moved the rest of the catalogue over, which is starting from now. Is there fears with doing that? Um, not really. Like, I think uh, Two Guys, One Cup was a good... That, that Of all the shows we do, that's the least niche. We thought that has the broadest appeal. Sports, comedy in Australia has always got mm-hmm. an audience. And so it felt like a safe kind of bet to move that across. And then we enjoyed the relationship with Listener and found them very supportive and also like just not having to do all the like cutting and editing and uploading and promoting of the show. Like we hand that over <laughs> to someone else so we can just concentrate on doing the show. That became the great appeal of it. And to be honest, like if we didn't have them come on, we probably wouldn't still be doing it because it was really? a lot of okay. work, you know. It yeah. was, I, I know you it. Know, yeah, yeah I, exactly. I actually I quit my full-time job to do this for a living. Um, so still, still building it up, but- Basically, when you join a place like Listener, it's not so much the financial gain, it's just more the chance of having more spare time. Is that sort of the main positive of it? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's just the, if the show's going to grow- providing an infrastructure. Yeah. If the show's going to grow and we're going to continue to do it, then we need the support of a professional organization because, <laughs> you know, I'm not, getting, I'm, not more get, I'm not getting more technically proficient the older I get. If anything, it's getting scarier and more confusing. Mm. So, you know, like I, I'm, I'm much happier to hand this over to people who, who genuinely understand. Like Michael Liberale, you know, like yeah. he's still- I say, he's yeah. he's he's going to keep producing the footy podcast, but um, you know, like seeing what he's able to do with his network and his YouTube channel, it's like oh, that's feels like a young man's game. <laughs> <laughs> Before we um let you go, where can people find your stuff? Where, what's the best place? Uh, well, toyflop.com is the best place to find all the podcasts. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at cxclawson or I'm on Instagram at charlie underscore clawson. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Charlie. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. I'd love to come back on. And um, I'm sure you have Guy on your show in the near future. We will. We will. The video store will be back in the new year. (laughs) All right. All the best, mate. Reopening for 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day. All the best. Thanks heaps, man. (laughs) Thank you. All right. What a gentleman he is, Mr. Davis. You can see why uh, I enjoy uh, doing a bit of a side podcast uh, project every once in a while with Mr. Clawson. Good value, very funny guy, very smart, very informed. Yeah, good value. And yeah, by all means, check out his podcast when you're through checking out anything on the Four Finger Discount Network. Honestly, when it comes to podcasts in Australia, he's a very big deal, Mr. Charlie Clawson. So if you're an international listener, you might not be aware of him. Check out his podcast, like he said, TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. FOFOP, that, you, you appear on FOFOP, is that right, Mr. Davis? I do, yes. Yeah, um, also he's got an, an AFL football. So if you're not into AFL football, you might not necessarily get the references so much, but two guys, one cup as well. Plus he also has a podcast with Osher Gunsberg, who formerly known as Andrew G, called Dad Pod, where they discuss just being dads, which is pretty cool as well. So check out that. I think it's all available on Listener, as you said, tofop.com. But yeah, Radio Mike, used to, who appeared on the show recently, uh, doing the, uh, the Amil House Divided, he used to do all the producing for their podcast, and now they've gone to Listener, so he's still just doing the two guys, one cup. But yeah, Charlie Clawson, so down to earth, so humble, and I'm Absolute gentleman, and I am very glad that he was gave us his time because he gave us more time than I expected, and um, yeah, much much appreciated. <laughs> we talked a lot. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, I but, talked a lot, <laughs> but he's just a, he's just a fun guy to talk to. So, like I said, check out his stuff. But um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed our review of the Last Temptation of Homer. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and if you're not already doing so, please follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount at Four Finger Pod on Twitter, and also. 
youtube.com slash discount TV. If you're not following us on YouTube, please do so. I really want to try and crack 20,000 subscribers soon. We're on 19.2, 19,000.2 at the moment. I want to hit that 20K as soon as possible. So if you listen to this and you haven't yet followed us, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash discount TV. You'll enjoy our stuff up on there as well. This has been our review of The Last Temptation of Homer. I hope you all have a fantastic holiday season. All the best to yourself, your families, and all your loved ones, everyone out there. Mr. Davis, any final words for those incredible listeners out there? Hubba, hubba. Shh.